0: Welcome back. Welcome to Coastal. So, uh, uh, it is great to be here this morning. Great to be back, uh, man. I have uh, I have missed you. I've missed Coastal. I missed my family, my wife, my son. I missed my bed. <laughs> um, missed my shower. Uh, I did bathe, but I missed my shower. Um, it's good to be home. Um, Scott's right. we got a lot of, uh, lot of exciting things uh, going on here at Coastal. A lot of things in your bulletin. Please, please take a moment, check out everything that's going on. Uh, hey, also, don't, uh, don't forget about Vacation Bible School. That really is one of those times uh, throughout the life of our church where it's uh, all hands on deck, so to speak. But my wife told me, we appreciate everybody volunteering for food. We don't need anybody else to volunteer for food. We actually need people to volunteer to be here uh, during the week of Vacation Bible School, which is the little uh, during VBS section there uh, on the bottom there on the front and on the back. So uh, fill this out, fold it, put your you know name and contact info, check what you can do, and put it in the offering plate at the very end. And, uh, and we didn't want to make Scott make uh, this announcement on his last day making the announcements, and that is that tonight, um we invite you, everybody to come back uh, for uh going away party for Scott and Lori and Carly and, and maybe even Brady. I don't know if Brady's coming or not. We'll see. I don't know. We can put him outside or whatever. Put him in Michael's office now. Um, anyway, um, so come back tonight for that. And um, we're going to feed you. In fact, uh, just to go ahead and let you know, really for Scott, and I don't know if some of you know this or not, but Scott has a very limited palate of eating, and I feel sorry for Lori because Lori is an adventurous eater. Will try anything, but Scott only eats chicken. And so tonight, in honor of Scott, um, we are having raising Cane's chicken for Scott. See, he's like the only one. Don't no, don't clap, don't clap. You're like raising Cain. You know who else would eat that anyway? But uh, but no, we also we we'll have there'll be other food there. We're gonna have a lot of great food, and really tonight, there's no real agenda for tonight other than just to come, love on their family, we're going to have fun together, give them a hug and thank them, and uh, we're going to pray for them and kind of send them off in prayer, and uh, so anyway, come back tonight, let's have fun together um, as a family uh, here at Coastal, but like I said, a lot of other things going on, make sure you take a look at all the stuff there in your bulletin. Um, I want to talk about what's uh, coming up Uh, Next Sunday, today in a way, Um, next Sunday we kick off one of our favorite series uh, here at Coastal. And uh, if there's such a thing as a tradition uh, here at Coastal, this is one of uh, those traditions that uh, for for a number of years, over the years, uh, over the summer, we've done this series called At the Movies. And uh, it's definitely one of our most fun, enjoyed, look forward to. It's a great series for the summer. Raise your hand if you love the movies. Anybody here just movie fans? I mean, I think most of us probably are in in one, you know, one way or another. Uh, One of the most fun things that Lydia and I got to do uh, together while we were in Los Angeles, kind of after we had you know, completed all of the tasks that needed to take place. We wanted to do some touristy things. And uh, where she's living is right near uh, the Warner Brothers Studios. And so uh, we got to go and take a tour. And man, it was awesome. I mean, number one, I love the movies, but we got to, um, you know, kind of go behind the scenes and see where some of the, uh, you know, most famous, biggest movies of all time were made. You know, we're kind of driving around these different lots and studios there on this huge, ginormous, you know, campus. And uh, each one, each little turn of the golf cart was just filled with memories and nostalgia of uh, of movies past and present. In fact, I made a list of just some of the movie names and titles that I heard while we were driving around. Uh, and We got to see where some of the sets were and some of the props and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, Ben-Hur, Chariots of Fire. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy. And then I did think about Scott because there's a lot there about Batman. That was very prominent. Uh, The Batman movies. Also uh, the Harry Potter movies. They had museums to to both of those. Uh, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, For some of you, the Hangover trilogy. Um, uh, American Sniper. The Blind Side. Inception. The Lego movie. Twister. 300. The Exorcist. Uh, The Matrix movies, the Lethal Weapon movies, The Departed, Unforgiven, Blazing Saddles, um, Superman, on and on and on. I mean, it really was cool. It was almost like I got to relive, you know, my childhood and my high school days and and even date nights with Janet or movie nights uh, with the kids on this uh, really fun, about about a three-hour tour, Um, without a doubt. Uh, Our culture today has a love affair with the movies. In fact, one of the things that we say during the series is that we believe that our culture uh, gets a lot of what it believes and thinks about God, um, about spirituality, about life even, from the movies they watch and the music that they listen to. Now, obviously, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they get it right, obviously, but through movies and music, I think we have to admit that they are raising issues, that they're asking questions, that they're curious about spiritual things. And you know, the good news is while the culture and the world in which we are living, while they're asking questions and raising issues, the good news for us today is guess what? We have the what? We have the answers, Right? So, but the problem is, typically, we, we just tend to go to one extreme of, or the other, you know, so instead of imitating culture, you know, and not even being disturbed or distressed by anything that we see in the world around us, and just going along with the world and being just like them, that's one extreme, or condemning the culture. You know, just being, you know, finger-pointing and judgmental. You know, instead of doing one of those two extremes, or by the way, there's, there's another option, which is probably just as bad, ignoring the culture. I think there's another option. You know, why not be a little bit more like Jesus and actually try to engage the culture, redeem the culture? Man, Jesus was a master at that you know using the very things that people were thinking about and talking about to help answer spiritual questions you know in John 3:17 it says for god did not send his son into the world to what to say it with me to what yeah. to get to condemn the world but to save the world you know that's exactly what the apostle paul did in acts chapter 17 and i want us to look at this chapter today this particular story today, because it's a great example of somebody using the very thing that people are, are talking about, the issues that they're wondering about, the questions that they're raising, and then pointing people to Jesus. And it, it's a great illustration of what we try to do here at Coastal, and specifically what at the movie series is all about. Listen to this, uh, verse, beginning of verse 16, Acts chapter 17, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So, you know, here he is in in the city of Athens, and he is bothered, okay? I mean, he's he's upset. uh, Some translations say disturbed by what he saw. He saw all of these different idols in the city. But then listen to what he did, okay? It says, so he reasoned. What does that mean? He, he had a conversation. He dialogued with, in the synagogue with the Jews, with the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace. In other words, where he lived day by day with those who happened to be there. He had a conversation. He talked to them about the very things that he saw. Now, what exactly did he say? Look at verses 22 and 23. At some point, it says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Aragopagus, er, and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Okay, so right off the bat, he says, Okay, listen, I see that you know, you're a spiritual people, you're, you're wondering about eternity, and, and you got all these idols and all these gods that you worship. He says, I see that you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. Well, now what you worship as something unknown, I'm about to proclaim to you. I'm going to proclaim to you. Wow. I mean, don't miss that. Do you see what he did? He was using the very things and objects of their culture as as a hook. As a springboard, as a lesson, as an illustration to do what? To point them to Christ. Now obviously, again, the Bible says he was greatly distressed. He was disturbed by what he saw. But he used it. He used their practices to point them to Jesus. He engaged the culture. He redeemed the culture. So, that's what we do here at Coastal. Now, we don't sacrifice the message of the gospel, the message of Christ, the word of God. But we use what we see in our world today to point people to Jesus. Now, obviously, you might be greatly distressed by what what you see happening in our world today. I am, of course. I mean, you, you have to be. You know, greatly disturbed. You might even be greatly disturbed by what you see in some movies today. Now, but instead of having either no spiritual discernment You know, I mean, again, instead of going to one of several extremes of, you know, well, just, you know, joining in with the culture and being no different than the world around us and not being disturbed, not being bothered, you know, instead of doing that or just the opposite, acting like a stereotypical, judgmental, legalistic, finger-pointing whack job, which is what most of the world thinks about Christians today, why do we have to do one of those two things? Instead, why can't we be a little bit more like Jesus or the Apostle Paul, and actually use the very things of our culture to point people to Jesus. So, over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to use movies. That's all we're doing. In fact, when people come in here, uh, you're going to smell. It's going to smell like freshly popped, buttered popcorn. Matt Beam is not going to be able to contain himself. I don't know if you know this about one of our elders here, Matt Bean, he is addicted to butter popcorn. Well, I don't know if it's butter, but maybe it's just popcorn in general. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. But uh, it's going to smell. It's going to look like a movie theater. It's going to smell like a movie theater. But then we're just going to use different movies to, as a springboard, as a, today we're talking about, as a hook to talk about truth. Now, again, don't don't misunderstand what we're going to do. I'm not going to be preaching from the movies themselves, the movie scripts. We're not, you know, trading in the Word of God for a movie. But the movies are just, again, a hook to talk about whatever that particular theme might be, that particular subject matter, question that gets raised in that movie. Because, guys, listen, the people that we live with, work with, play with, they're all in love with movies too. They're going to the movies, they're watching the movies, they're talking about the subject matter, they're talking about the questions raised in those movies. Why don't we do the same thing, except why don't we at the same time open up God's Word and see what the Lord says about it? And in the process, let's point people to the truth. Let's point people to Jesus. You know, last year, for example, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Maleficent. Uh, We used that movie uh, on that particular Sunday to talk about good versus evil. That there is a real spiritual battle in this world, and there there is a, such a thing as spiritual warfare. And so we talked about that. Um, the, the probably the the movie that I hated seeing the most last year, but I did go and see it just because it was like the saddest movie, one of the saddest movies I'd ever seen. Um, it was The Fault in Our Stars. You remember that movie? Oh my gosh, it was so sad. Um, but we used that movie, that particular Sunday, uh, to talk about death and disease. And dying. Um, over the years, some other movies I, I, I wrote down that we've used. We, we used uh, one year the movie Sex in the City. Talked about sex in the single life. Uh, an obvious hook. Um, we used the movie The Hulk to talk about what? What do you think? Come on. Anger. There you go, okay. Um, becoming green. No, um, you know, anger. Um, one year we used the movie The Internship. Remember that comedy? And uh, we talked about God's will for your career, for your job. In other words, beginning next Sunday, um, we're going to go fishing together. Uh, all these movies, are just, just hooks to talk about spiritual truth. Now, speaking about fishing, raise your hand this morning if you are a fisherman, if you love to fish. We, we do we last service, we had a ton of people uh, that like to fish, men and women. I, I enjoy fishing. Now, I, honestly, it's not something that I get to do, nearly as much as I probably would like to do or um, uh, as much as I did growing up. You know, some of my most treasured memories growing up with my dad as a little kid and with my grandfather uh, were all around uh, fishing. Now, personally, I would still call fishing a recreational activity, okay? Okay. Now, for some of you here, though, and for a lot of people today, rec- you know, fishing is not just a recreational activity. It's a what? It's a sport. It's a serious sport. It's a science. I mean, some people like man. You, I mean, it's almost like the fish don't have a chance. I mean, I've seen some of your fishing boats, and you got like GPS combined with sonar, these little fish finders. I mean, it's like a movie screen where you can actually see a three D image. Of the fish, you know, around you. And you, you're, you're online finding out the best place and the best time and the temperature and the temperature of the water. I mean, it is a serious, serious business. I, I, you know, we have people here at church. It always drives me crazy. You go fishing. And then you come back to like my men's group or Sunday morning, you're bragging, you know, you got your fishing story, like you caught the limit, you know, whatever that is, like I have never done that. I don't even, I don't even know that that exists, you know, and you're like showing a picture of these coolers full and full of fish and like I, in fact, you invite me to go with you, and we still never do that. I, it must be me. I must be the bad omen. That's why I tell my son that it's called fishing, not what? Catching, right? That's what it's called. But um, I want to tell you about something else, though, that uh, Lydia and I saw on our cross-country road trip. Uh, Again, we left, we headed out for California two weeks ago on a Tuesday morning, and it was a four-day road trip uh, to Los Angeles. Now, raise your hand if you have ever been, or maybe if you're from Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody here been to Memphis? Okay, a few people, not as many as maybe in the last service. But um, now let, let me just go ahead and say this from the beginning. If you are from Memphis, or you have family from Memphis, I don't want to offend you about what I'm about to say, but I just want to go ahead and be, get this out there and be very honest with you. Of all the cities that Lydia and I traveled on our little road trip across America on this four-day trek, Memphis was the nastiest, dirtiest, scariest place that we drove through. Now, I'm willing to admit or say that maybe, just maybe, it just happened to be the route you know, that we took and that the whole city doesn't necessarily look this scary. But I thought, man, did they just experience riots? Have I not seen this on TV? I mean, like, it reminded me I've flown into Newark, New Jersey times 10. That's, in fact, I was thinking, man, I'd sing the blues too if I was from Memphis, Tennessee. You know, that's what they're known for is the blues. And I mean, it was awful. Well, so, Again, just picture that's what we're experiencing, okay, as we're driving through Memphis. And then, and, and I can't, you know, exaggerate. I'm not exaggerating this. Out of nowhere, like it does not fit, it does not belong, like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, is the largest Bass Pro shop in the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It, it is shaped. Of all things, like a glass pyramid, I mean, has anybody else seen this thing or been there? It just opened up, okay? And I mean, it's something like you would expect to see in Vegas. In fact, I'm thinking, what in the world does fishing have to do with the pyramids or the Egyptians, right? The only thing I can think of now is like, it's like the Mecca for rednecks, okay, or something. Like they'll make this trip to the giant Bass Pro fishing shop. In fact, seriously, I brought some pictures. Check this out. Okay, now, those are people down there at the bottom. Those are those are little tiny people. Now, the next shot, check this out. So, again, seriously, look at this thing. Like, again, we're driving through Memphis, da-da-da-da-da. It's scary, it's ugly, and we turn a corner, and then, bam, there is this. I mean, that's the interstate right there. Look at that next picture. And then, of course, you pass that, and then you come over here, and you see... Bass Pro Shop. So I was like, what in the world, Lydia, is this? So we got to a place where I could Google it and figure out what it was. And uh, listen to this. Inside this giant pyramid, there is an interactive wetlands museum, a live duck aviary. There is a wetlands exhibit, the largest collection of waterfowl decoys in the world. And you can actually stay there. Like it's a hotel inside this thing. It has, it's called the Big Cypress Lodge. Uh, It's the first hotel like it inside a Bass Pro fishing shop. And uh, has 103, they call them rustic rooms or treehouse cabins. You can ride, listen to this. The tallest freestanding elevator in America. To the top of the pyramid. It contains a 10,000 gallon Catfish Aquarium, where people can test fishing rods inside of it. It's got, I I don't know what the connection here is, a 13-lane ocean-themed bowling alley. I guess rednecks, bowling, I can see the connection a little bit. Anyway, um, a giant cypress swamp with ponds and 84,000-gallon alligator habitat. Inside this thing, it is now the biggest tourist attraction in Memphis. And uh, again, uh, what does any of that have to do with today? Nothing. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> other than, no, seriously, well, here's what, here's the deal. For many people today, fishing, I mean, it's serious, serious, big, big business. It's a sport. It's a science. Now, what does that have to do with you and me today here at Coastal? you know, as a Christ follower in 2014. Well, Jesus, in Matthew 4.19, once said this, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. So Jesus said it. Hey, if you follow me, you're to be a fisher of men. Because you see, here's the takeaway. Fishing is our business. That is our business. We are to fish for people. And the fish are your unchurched friends. They're your neighbors, your co-workers, your relatives. They may or may not go to church. They're the people in your life that you know that do not have a personal relationship with God. And so as followers of Jesus, we are called to become effective fishermen. And we got to understand when, where, and what the fish bites. We got to understand that you know, the different people that we know are going to respond in different ways, in different times, in different seasons to the bait that we put in front of them. You know, one of the greatest of those early fishers of men really was the Apostle Paul. And, but what's amazing is, is this. Don't miss this part, though. Just like you and me, he was once a fish. In fact, he wasn't just a little guppy he was a shark. I mean, he, he was antagonistic toward the church. He hated the church. He despised the gospel until he met Jesus face to face. And he went from being a fish to a follower to a fisher of men. And that's many of your stories. Some of you were just like that. You were antagonistic. Now, back to Acts chapter 17. because That's really where I want us to hang out today for a little bit. Paul's in Athens, Greece. Maybe you can remember, uh, like, uh, Greece and the Olympics back in the day where you might see those pictures of the Acropolis. That's where this all takes place. And so Paul, the great fisher of men, is casting his bait out into this this lake full of fish. And he preaches this, this famous sermon. You might read the whole thing on your own later. But he starts talking about the creation and the creator. And he moves toward talking about Jesus. And he starts telling these Athenians about a man who died for their sin and rose from the dead. And then I want to to pick up in verse 32 because really all I want you to notice today is that people responded differently. I want you to see how the different fish respond to the bait. Verse 32. When they heard Paul speak of the resurrection of a person who had been dead, some laughed. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris, and others. Now, right there, I don't know if you saw it, but there's at least three responses to Paul's message there. Now, What I'm about to say is really important. I don't want you to miss this. There was nothing wrong with the fishermen. Okay, again, man, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. This would be like, you know, Billy Graham, okay? I mean, Paul knew what he was doing, right? He, He wrote like a third of the New Testament. He knew how to fish. Man, he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So it wasn't his fault how the fish responded. If they, if they bite or not bite. Um, so there's nothing wrong with the fishermen. But I also want you to notice, there's nothing wrong with the bait either, right? I mean, Paul basically just preaches a very simple gospel message. And he tells them that this man, Jesus, died for your sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And through him, through faith in him, you can have eternal life. I mean this is the same guy who said in Romans 1:16, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus. It's the power of God at work saving anyone who believes. So again, it's not the uh, the fisherman, it's not Paul. It's not the bait, the gospel. You see, the truth is, as you and I go out and fish, as we go out and and live the life of a follower of Jesus, as we love people and share our faith and share our story... The fish, the people in our lives, man, they're all going to react in different ways. Jesus basically told his followers that same thing in Luke chapter 8. Remember the story about the farmer who goes out and casts the seed? He said it's going to fall on different types of soil. And the soil represent the different types of responses people would have to the gospel. And really one of the points of the story is, you know, we're not responsible for the choices people make, how they respond for the soil, but we are responsible for what? Just casting the seed. Same thing here. You know, Paul would say, hey, we're not responsible for how the fish bite, but we are responsible to what? To be fishing. To be fishing. So, what Jesus taught in Luke 8, we see here in Acts 17. We see these different responses. Responses. So this morning, really quickly, I just want to, I want to point out three, three different responses that people have to the bait. And my hope today is that this message will help you get over your fear a little bit of fishing, you know, you'll break out of your comfort zone, and that together we'll all get busy fishing, okay? Response number one, some people will reject the gospel. I mean, that, that's the truth. Yes, some people will reject the gospel. Uh, this is, th- these are the fish that won't bite at all. You know, if, if you've uh, fished with me, you've had days like that. Um, but, uh, you know, they see the bait, they turn their nose up at it, they swim away, whatever. This is the group in verse 32 where it says, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection, they laughed in contempt. You know, they were antagonistic. Now, quite frankly... These are the people that a lot of you, in your mind, are really nervous and anxious about running into. And for some reason, you think that they make up the vast majority of the people in our culture today. That these are the people who are even antagonistic toward the gospel. The people who won't listen at all and are even angry. Well, let me give you the good news about this group of people. First of all, of the 160 million unchurched people in America, according to a lot of surveys and a lot of studies, those who actually consider themselves antagonistic only account for about 5%. In other words, you're going to run into this type of fish about 1 out of 20 times. Now guess what, though? The guy who preached that sermon, the guy who stood up, you know, in the city of Athens and and reasoned with the people, you know, uh, every day who pointed out the altar of the unknown God. He was once in this category. He was once antagonistic. You know, his job basically was to, you know, round up other followers of Jesus to hunt them down and to see that they were uh, killed. You know, he was the great white shark. So, which is a great reminder for you and I, hey, listen, again, we're not responsible for people's choices, but don't give up. You know, don't be afraid. Keep fishing. Keep pointing people to Jesus. Response number two. Most people will respect the gospel. Believe it or not, most people will actually listen to what you have to say. Um, They'll be at least open to what you have to say. These these are the fish uh, who take a bite, you know, so, you know, yeah, sure, sometimes these might be a little frustrating. They nibble at the bait. They, you know, they, they pull at it. Uh, but, you know, you just don't seem to be able to set the hook. Look at the second group, how they respond. This is the last half of verse 32. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. So maybe they're not ready right then, you know, to uh, respond or to receive the gospel. But at least they're curious about what you have to say. They're interested. They're they're curious about what a difference this community of people makes in your marriage with your children, your finances. Where where does that joy come from in the spite of all of the struggle that you're, you're going through? They're curious. They have questions. They wonder. In fact, I would say that this group of people might even come to church from time to time. They might even respond to, uh, you know, a little invite card. What's this? Nothing more than what? Fate. You're, You're going fishing. They might come. They might kick the tires. They might listen about this man named Jesus. They might come to a special event. They might come to a life group. This is the largest segment of unchurched people in our country. And listen to this. 83% of them claim to believe in heaven. 70% of them say they believe in hell. In other words, they're concerned about life after death. In fact, there's more. Around 86% of this group actually say they would come to church if somebody invited them. In other words, most of the people that you run into are at least open to spiritual things. As bad as it might seem, as bad as the world might seem, that's still where most people are today. Man, that ought to encourage you. Let's go fishing. That ought to encourage you. Let's, you know, this summer, let's, let's get busy. Response number three. Many people will respond to the gospel. They'll actually respond. Look at, look at verse 34. But some joined him and became what? They became believers. He even lists a couple of them here. Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others. Sure, there were great whites. Sure, there were barracudas and mudfish. You know, sure, they had days where nobody seemed to take the hook and, and they just nibbled at the bait. But don't let that frustrate you from fishing for the fish that will bite because every fish needs the chance to take the bait. You know, what's interesting is that Paul left Athens... And he goes off to another city, Corinth. And it was very similar to Athens, but apparently, for whatever reason, Paul got in his head that he didn't want to go to Corinth and nothing really good was going to happen there. He felt like the fish weren't going to bite. And then Jesus got a hold of him and said this in verses 9 and 10, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you. Nobody's going to attack you or harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. Do you hear what what God is saying to Paul? Paul, even though you can't see them, even though you you don't know where they're at, the Lord was saying many people in that city will receive Jesus. They belong to me. If you'll just be faithful and share the message. If you'll just go fishing. You know what? I think God is saying the same thing to you and me today. I think he'd say this this exact same thing. Hey, don't be afraid. You know, speak out. Don't be silent. Share your faith. Share your story. Invite somebody to Coastal. Listen, nobody's going to beat you up. Nobody's going to harm you. In fact, a lot of people that you work with, that you live with, a lot of the people that you go to school with, he's saying, they belong to me. They are mine. I'm just waiting on somebody to go fishing. I think he'd say the same thing to us. Now, let me leave you with these three things to do, really quickly. Number one, pray. Man, let's coastal. Let's be a praying church. Let you pray the same prayer I'm praying. Lord, give me your heart for lost people. Help me to see people and circumstances the way you do, Lord. Use our church to reach and grow as many people as possible for Jesus. And pray for the people that you work with. Pray for the people that you see in your community. Pray for the people, you know, that you go to school with. You know, stop complaining about where you live, about what you do, where you do it at. You know, maybe, just maybe God's got you there because he wants... He wants the the other people that you're with to see what a follower of Jesus really looks like. And he's waiting on you to go fishing because some of those people belong to him. And they're ready to come home. And so then, number two and number three, let me say these together. Just invest and invite. That's That's our evangelism strategy here at Coastal. Pray, invest and invite. Build a redemptive relationship. Be a friend. Live out your faith. Live for Jesus. And then, man, you have earned the right at that point. After, you know, you've, you, you could share your story. You could share your faith. Invite them to Coastal. You know, one of the reasons why I think building relationships is so important is that today so many people who are outside of the church, they may never really get to hear the true message of Jesus or ever see it lived out in somebody's life. Instead, the only impression they have of what it looks like to follow Jesus is, you ready for this, what they see on television. Or it's the guy they see on a street corner wearing a placard yelling and screaming at people telling them they're going to hell. By the way, when has that ever worked? You know, I mean, if, if you know somebody's inside of a burning building, you don't stand on the corner shouting to them, hey, the house you're in is burning. Come on out. It's getting hot in there. You know what we do to that person? We arrest them for being an accomplice to murder because they didn't get out their butt and do something about it. You know, no, if you know somebody's, you know, is in a, in a burning building, you do whatever it can, whatever it takes to rescue them. You know, that's why we're so passionate here at Coastal, about helping you understand, man, we're on a mission here. When you join Coastal, when you become a part of this church, you're not a part of a club. You're on mission. You're on a mission from God. You're called to be a missionary in your community. You know what? Where you live, each one of us has circles of relationships, circles of influence. In fact, this morning, you know what we should call them? We all have fishing ponds. Where you work, fishing pond. Your school, fishing pond. Your kids' sports team, fishing pond. Your hobbies, your activities, fishing pond. All opportunities. Live out your faith, be a friend, pray for the open door, and go fishing. Listen, Jesus was the Expert at this. What was he called? Very last verse on on the outline. He was called a friend of who? Sinners. Could that be said of you? A friend of sinners? You know, I believe that as we pray, as we live out our faith, as we build friendships with people who have not yet begun following Jesus, something powerful is really going to happen. God's Spirit is going to do the work that only He can do, and He's going to draw our friends to Him. And then the groundwork's already been laid for us just to invite our friends to Him. Invite our friends to Coastal. Because when they come here, they're going to see Jesus. Coastal, Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. Fishing is our business. So next week, this summer, let's go fishing. Let's reach out to our friends and neighbors. Let's love them. Let's serve them. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, thank you. Um, Lord, I think about all the different fishing stories here at this church that I'm aware of stories of people coming to faith you know some uh, some were resistant some maybe just kind of swam around the bait for a time and nibbled here and there and kicked the tires a little bit came to this event or this service maybe they started coming to youth group or they came to a, a, a life group and over time at some place at some point they gave their life to Christ What a miracle that we get to witness and be a part of. Thank you. Father, I believe today there are are some people here today at this service, all throughout this day, who are ready to come home. You know, we might say ready to take the bait, ready um, ready to become a part of the family of God. Listen, just like the Apostle Paul said, there was this man named Jesus. He came to this earth. He died for your sin and for mine. In fact, it was our rebellion, my sin, your sin, that put him on that cross. But God's plan, his power, his love was so great that Jesus overcame sin and the death and death and the grave and he rose from the dead And he is alive, which means that if you would simply put your faith and trust in him and him alone, not in anybody else, not in your own goodness or religion or your ability to try to stop doing bad things and start being a better person, if you would just put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on that cross and that empty tomb, your sins can all be forgiven. Wipe clean. You can walk out of here today with a clean conscience. Be adopted into God's family forever. Have your home secured in heaven for all eternity. And be given power and purpose and meaning for everyday life. What a great offer. Just cry out to God today. Tell him you admit who you are. You you believe in what Jesus did for you, and you accept it personally. You invite Him into your life. And Father, may this church, may Coastal, may we be the church that you called us to be. May we get busy casting seed, setting hooks, going fishing, reaching out to people, loving people, showing this world what followers of Jesus are really supposed to look like, not better than other people, just forgiven just forgiven and full of your love and your spirit we pray this all today in the name of jesus amen hey guys this morning we're gonna continue in our worship today by allowing you a chance to take the lord's supper communion it's to it really gives us a chance to remember what what really is the central focus of why we do what we do, what life is really all about, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so this meal is made up of a piece of bread and a cup of juice. They're they're symbols of the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. And so when you're ready, when you're prepared, you simply can go to the tables. There's some in the front, there's some in the back. You don't have to be a member of Coastal. The only requirement is uh, you're just a follower of Jesus, a believer so that we could have you came to faith. Maybe today you also uh, remember the fish in your pond, the people that you know, the family members, the friends, the people that you work with that God might be using you uh, as an instrument of his saving power and grace. So when you're ready, when you're prepared, let's take the Lord's Supper.